Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Tonight I want to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 5. We've been slowly going through the book of Revelation and we come to chapter 5. We looked at chapter 4 the last time we were here and uh, we saw the throne room of God and tonight we see chapter 5. It's a continuation of uh, the scene of the throne room of God. John has been spirited up into the presence of God in, in heaven and he is observing uh, the very uh, throne of God, and he's, uh, we've seen uh, in last week, last time that we were here, the the uh, twenty four elders around the throne of God. That that represents all the Christians from uh, of eternity, past and future. Uh, there worshiping God, we saw the four beasts, the uh, four winds of uh, from the four winds of the earth, uh, declaring the the. A glory of God. Those, of course, are uh, four angels uh, that are coming to end to to worship God. We've heard the ovation of of these witnesses around the throne of God as they worship the the holiness of God. And uh, now we uh, see chapter five, and it's a there's a break in uh, the scene here as it transitions to chapter five. Notice, if you will, a few words here that have not been in uh, the text before. It says, and I saw. Now this is uh, an aorist tense of, of the verb, and it is uh, refer- referring to a past tense. Uh, John now, uh, John will use this phrase some 27 times in, in the book of Revelation. Uh, but this is the first time he says uh, this phrase, and I saw. And it's in reference to something that uh, John witnesses here in the throne room of God. He says, And I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written uh, within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. So uh, this is a, a, a beginning of a new segment. I want to ask you something. Uh, uh, when you were a young person and you had a relationship with your parents, uh, uh, if there was one thing that your parents asked you not to do, that's usually, uh, you know, whether it's eating a cookie before supper or uh, laughing and giggling during church or whatever it was. I know when I was, uh, when my girls were little, I, I could just look at them a certain way and they would just melt. I, I know that that uh, if they were doing something I didn't approve of and I just said their name, I, uh, uh, I, they were reduced to tears just simply because, because I said their name in a certain way. Not that I... in gendered uh, fear, but they 
uh, they so desire to, you know, it, it's part of, of being on the receiving end of so much love and so much uh, pro, pro, provision by a parent that when a parent is uh, upset at a child, it just breaks. I know it did with my children and I know it did with me. If, if I ever uh, did something that upset my parents, it just, it just broke my heart because you want, you're, everything that you're doing is try, you're trying to, one, win the approval of your parent and two, uh, to ensure that you're doing whatever you, you could to please your parent. I know uh, uh, my mom uh, sang in the choir and I went to a church where the choir stayed in the choir loft during the whole service. And as a young boy, I would sit there with my daddy and uh, the very first pew in the church and uh, I'd sit there and make eyes at my mom. Uh, all through the service and I, I don't know why but I thought she could see me but I didn't even think about all the other people in the choir sitting around her that could see me too and and so I would you know blow her kisses or I would wink at her and when I learned how to wink and things like that and and she would uh, she would uh, give me little looks to let me know that she was looking at me and everything and if I ever did anything that was dis- uh, that would disappoint my mama all she had to do was look at me and cock that eyebrow and I tell you what it was right then she didn't have to do it uh, she only did it once or twice it, it didn't take much for me to know that mama was watching me and uh, of course I was sitting right beside my daddy so my daddy was watching me too but she was keeping her eyes on me and uh, in uh, and, and my home church also uh, the youth sat all together on the back pew and I think she was watching my brother a lot too she would keep his uh, keep her eye on him while he was back there, I think he had more temptation to to talk and cut up sitting in the back with all the other youth than I did sitting on the in the front row with my daddy. And while he was in the youth group, uh, they had a new youth leader come on, and he changed that. He put all the youth on the very very front row, not just the, uh, you know the second pew in considered the front row by so many people, but uh, he put them all on the very front row and so they that cut down a lot of that misbehaving and everything but all my mom had to do was just cock that eyebrow and she could convey a world of of boy you better watch out because when we get home you're going to get skin up one side and down the other kind of uh, mentality and uh, uh, and we we don't like to think about that in terms of our parents, we like to think about the love that they have for us and, and, and taking care of us and tucking us in and giving us kisses and everything. I love doing that with my girls. Even now, I, I still love to tuck in my uh, littlest one and, and, and giving her kisses in the morning to wake her up and everything. And don't tell her I told you that because she'd be embarrassed. But, but, you know, when they're little, that's the kind of thing you do. And it's the same way with God, though. We love to think of the love of God and everybody, uh, especially people who don't come to church very much, they love to think about the love of God. They love to think about God in, in terms of, of being a loving God and, 
And, and so many times when you witness to people and you tell them about the consequences of sin, uh, one of the first things they say is, well, my God wouldn't do that. My God, quotation marks, wouldn't do something like that because He's a loving God. But this passage of Scripture shows our loving God in light of judgment. And that's what this is uh, all about. Uh, it says that John saw the right hand of Him who sat on the throne. Now, who's that? That's God the Father. He's sitting on the throne. And in His right hand is a book that is written within and without. And this is a special book because most, most books are, uh, in the time of John, uh, most scrolls are only written on one side. Uh, you never, rarely ever saw a scroll that had writing on both sides. And so this is a very special scroll. You can tell it uh, from the very outset it's a special scroll uh, because of the way he describes it. And it says, And I saw a strong angel uh, proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And so we automatically see also it's a special scroll because it has seals. And the seals are the witnesses of those who witness the document. And if you have a, a last will and testament uh, during this time, you would see a, a seals on it. And um, so the way it's described, this scroll has seven seals upon it. And... These are the seven, indivi uh, seven individuals uh, that would witness a document such as this. And sometimes the seven seals would have certain segments uh, that uh, you broke the seal and you would open up and it would be a portion that would not uh, reveal any of the other part of the scroll. It would just uh, reveal this uh, at that portion that's associated with that scroll. And there's that kind of vibe that's going on with this, uh, with this type of, of scroll in that there will be uh, seven seals and certain things will be revealed within those seven seals. Uh, and the angel who is there proclaiming, he says, "...no man in heaven and on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon, and I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And the one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of, of the tribe of Judah and the root of David hath prevailed, and to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and on the four uh, beasts, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood the lamb as it had been uh, slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are uh, the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, uh, the four beasts and the four and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, uh, which are the prayers of the saints. And they saw, uh, sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by 
thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and, and heard a voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And the numbers of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard, uh, heard I saying uh, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that uh, sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said... Amen. And the four elders uh, and twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. So, these fourteen verses of uh, the book of Revelation and chapter five describe this scene. And Jesus, I mean, uh, and John is there, and he is uh, in the throne room of God, and he sees God holding a scroll. Now, many are, uh, contemplate what, uh, what the scroll is, and some uh, question whether or not this is the book of life uh, that has all the names of those who are uh, the Lamb's book of life and all those who are written on it uh, that are going into heaven. Uh, but that's not what that is. In, in Revelation chapter 20, verse I believe it's verse 12, we read uh, that a, another book is open, and that is the Lamb's book of life. Uh, so this is not the Lamb's Book of Life, uh, and it is. Uh, so that's not what this scroll is. There's others that uh, contemplate what uh, what else is written on the scroll, and uh, 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 so what we have is is some doubt as to what's going on. Uh, we see that. Uh, Let's just back up for a minute and ask ourselves, who is this that John is seeing? He says uh, at the beginning, and I saw on the right hand of the Father, uh, right hand of Him who sat on the throne, a book written within and on the backside, seven uh, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel uh, proclaiming with a loud voice, "Who is worthy to open the book and to loose it, uh, the seals?" Thereof, so the angel is is crying out, "Who is able to open this? No one is worthy to open the uh, the scroll for anyone to see what it is." Um, and what we see is it's not the Lamb's Book of Life, but it is uh, uh, represents the judgment of God. This scroll is uh, uh, the uh, the judgment the. Uh, proclamation of God of uh, uh, the righteousness of God and God's plan for uh, uh, judgment upon those who are uh, upon the earth those who are the enemies of God and so uh, he's saying who is worthy who is able to open it and the reason that John is to weep the reason uh, that the angel declares to John to weep is because uh, without opening this scroll, without opening the uh, this uh, proclamation of God's judgment, God's uh, uh, 
proclamation of His redemption for mankind. There's no one uh, to bring about judgment and justice for God's people. And so if the scroll is not open, God's God's, uh, provision for His people will not take place and and the people of God will not uh, see... uh, the justice of God in their life. Those who are uh, followers of God will not have uh, the provision of God in their life. And so the angel is declaring who is able to, to open it. There's no one here, no one in heaven, no one is able to open it. And so uh, he professes to John that, that he should weep. Uh, because there's no one to open it. The justice of God is not going to take place. The, the redemption of God is not going to happen. And this is all a setup for, uh, for God to reveal uh, the one who is able to open it. And it says in verse 3, No man in heaven and on earth nor under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon, uh, and John says, And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. Why was no man worthy to look upon it or to read it? It's because no man was, uh, had lived a righteous life. No man had lived according to God's desire. No ma- uh, and he- here's the thing. The scroll is to bring about... Uh, God's redemption and God's uh, judgment upon the earth. You're not allowed to open that uh, scroll if you're to be affected by the judgment and the redemption. And so no man was worthy because every man had been tainted by uh, sin in their life. No one was able to open it in heaven uh, because they, uh, they were unworthy of opening it. No one on earth was worthy of opening it either. And the elder said unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed uh, to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. So the elder said that the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now who is that? Well, this requires you to know some uh, knowledge of the Old Testament and what's happening. Uh, when you go back to Genesis and you read in Genesis, you'll understand this a little bit more. Um, if you turn back to Genesis chapter 49, uh, that's close to the end of the book of Genesis. Jacob is calling his sons to gather together because he is about to uh, um, he's about to pass away. He says, Hearken unto Israel, your father, 
Reuben and he begins to talk about his sons and about uh, what's going to happen. Reuben, thou art the firstborn, my might and beginning of strength and excellency and dignity and excellency of power. Uh, and he begins to talk about each one of his sons. Um, go down to verse 9. You read about Judah. So he starts out with Reuben because he's the firstborn, then Simeon, then Judah. Verse 8, Judah thou art, he whom thy brethren shall praise, thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies, and thy father's children shall uh, bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey, and my son thou art gone up. He stooped down, and he couched as a lion, and as an old lion, whom shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be, binding his foal unto the vine, and his ass is cold unto the choice vine. And he washed his garments in wine, and his clothes in the blood of grapes. And his eyes shall be red with wine, and his teeth white with milk. And so we see uh, him talking about the descendants of Judah and about uh, how they will uh, serve him and how he will be uh, 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 the one who will judge others. And so uh, this is all talking about uh, in reality it's talking about uh, who? Jesus. It's talking about uh, Jesus as being the Lion of Judah. And uh, Jesus is referred to as the Lion of Judah several times in the New Testament. And uh, He's referred to as the Root of David uh, throughout Scripture. I had those Scriptures written down, but I left my notes at home, so I can't tell you exactly where off the top of my head, but uh, Ezekiel and Isaiah uh, both talk about uh, uh, these things and you'll read uh, because they are prophetic books as well uh, you'll read uh, in, in those passages of scripture about uh, uh, this in reference to Jesus Christ as the line of the tribe of Judah and the root of David uh, this is Jesus that he's talking about uh, the one the elder said unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah and the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. So Jesus is the one who comes to open the, the scroll, to open the book. Why is Jesus able to, to, to do this? Uh, not only is He uh, God's Son, but also uh, He is also worthy because He was uh, uh, flesh did not sin. He didn't uh, commit a sin. And He also was worthy because He died on the cross for our sins and paid the penalty and paid the price. So He's the one who uh, paid the price of our sins. He's the one who provides redemption for us. So He's worthy to open the book and He is uh, worthy to loosen the seals because of the price that He's paid for us. Uh, he paid the penalty of the price of our sins on the cross of Calvary. Not only did He pay the price, but He uh, died and was raised again. He was dead and yet lives. 
And, so, and He uh, overcame death, grave, and hell uh, on our behalf when He died on the cross of Calvary. And so this is why He is worthy to open the scroll and why He is able to loose uh, uh, the, the seals. And so it says, And I behold, lo, in the midst of the throne, and the four beasts in the midst of the elders uh, stood the Lamb. Where is the Lamb able to be? You, see, you, have G, uh, you have God on the throne. You have the elders on thrones all around the, uh, the throne of God. And you have the four beasts that are around the throne. Where is Jesus able to go? Anywhere He wants to. It says, uh, you know, it's just like... It's just like if you have a pet lion, where do you let him sleep? Anywhere he wants to, right? Uh, this is Jesus. He's worthy uh, to open the scroll. He's worthy to break the seals. He's worthy because He has paid the penalty of our sins. And it says, uh, and Jesus was in the midst of the elders. He was uh, sitting on the throne. Uh, he is worthy to be anywhere He chooses. And it says that He has uh, seven uh, horns. Uh, this is in reference to uh, the fact that uh, horn is a reference to judgment. It is a symbol of judgment. And so uh, it says that He is, uh, has the, these uh, horns, seven horns. And so it, it means that he has uh, the horn of judgment upon him, and it has, he has uh, seven eyes. What's all that about? This uh, is in reference to the fact that uh, Jesus sees all things. It says the eyes are the seven spirits of God. This means that He is able to see all things. If uh, it, This is speaking to the omniscience of, of Jesus Christ at this point. He is able to know all things. And uh, you have to, in order to be the righteous judge, in order to judge appropriately, you have to know everything. And so this is speaking uh, the the horn of the horns reference the judgment of Jesus Christ, the ability to judge, and the the eyes as reference to his um, uh, uh, omniscience. He knows all things. He's able to to see all things, and so uh, he is able to see uh, all of the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne, and when he uh, had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and the twenty-four elders fell down uh, before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. And so uh, we know that this is Jesus Christ, that he, uh, this is uh, declaring His divinity here at this point, because uh, if you're in the throne room of God and and uh, anyone bows before you other than God, uh, that's blasphemous towards God. And so uh, Jesus Christ, is, His divinity is being proclaimed here because He doesn't immediately tell them to get up. Uh, when they uh, fall down before Him and begin to worship Him, He doesn't say, oh, no, 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 don't do that. Get up, get up. You're only to worship God. He doesn't say that. Why? Because He is God. 
this is the, uh, demonstrating His divinity as well. And, and all of these things, all of these descriptions are uh, describing why He is worthy to open the scroll, why He is worthy uh, to bring about the judgment of God, why He is worthy to uh, bring about God's redemption because He is God, uh, because He is the righteous judge. And uh, this next section is a section of uh, declaring... Uh, the praise and the worship of Jesus Christ. They, uh, the elders, the beasts, they begin to sing a new song. They begin to sing praises to Jesus Christ. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us uh, to God by the blood of every kindred tongue and people and nation. Here uh, they are declaring that not only was Jesus Christ the sacrifice, but it was for all people. It was for everyone, not just the Jews, but I, uh, by His blood, every person of every tribe, every tongue, every nation was redeemed. And thou hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on earth. This is the redemption of mankind, what they're talking about. What God, uh, what Jesus Christ has done is bring about redemption so that they might be rest, uh, the restoration of mankind. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about. So now not just the elders that were around the throne and not just the beasts, but uh, all the angels of heaven. And, and the Bible here talks about thousands of thousands and thousands and thousands. Um, this is because... Uh, John's unable to, des- to describe a num- number larger than a thousand. He's a, uh, he's un- uh, uh, we live in a world in which you know our debts uh, nine trillion dollars, ten trillion dollars. We we've got words that go beyond a thousand, millions and billions and trillions. And so we're familiar with those words, but in John's day, uh, they are not familiar with words that go beyond thousands. So all he's able to do is say it's thousands upon thousands. And what he's seeing is a vast uh, ocean of angels that are declaring the glory of God, declaring the, the, the glory and righteousness of Jesus Christ. And they're all singing with one voice and they're declaring... Uh, His holiness, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy is He to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. And why does He receive all these things? Why is He receiving all this honor? Because He's bringing about the judgment of God. He's bringing about the righteousness and the redemption of God. Every creature that was in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and in the seas, everywhere is proclaiming uh, the holiness of Jesus Christ, declaring His righteousness, declaring His holiness. And let, by the way, uh, this is the exclamation point to the fact that He is Messiah. Because uh, what we're seeing here witnessed by John is the culmination of him as Christ. He is Christ. Remember what the Jewish individual in the Jewish mind, what was their image of Messiah? He was to be a king, a righteous king that would come and establish, reestablish the kingdom of David, reestablish the kingdom of Israel, and overthrow all those who were 
against Israel. They were thinking on an earthly level or earthly plane. And what is described here in Revelation is the very completion and the very... the very uh, essence of what it, uh, what Jesus was trying to tell them that his role would be was he was not to come and to be a king that would take the throne of David on earth, but he would establish a kingdom in heaven, and he would establish that kingdom not to bring, not to just demolish the Romans and and the fair, uh, the the. Uh, uh, Philistines and, and, and the Medes and any, anyone else that was out there that was against Israel. He was to be the king of judgment and righteousness for all mankind, that he would do this uh, for all eternity. And so what we see are every creature, every individual, every person on heaven and earth, all declaring uh, that he is uh, worthy. Blessings and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne. Jesus is sitting on in the throne of God and unto the Lamb uh, forever and ever. Why is he described as the Lamb instead of the Lion? Because he is the sacrifice that was made for all of mankind, the, the Holy Lamb of God, the Lamb uh, that was portrayed every time the priest that would would take a spotless, uh, without blemish lamb and sacrifice that lamb on the altar for the sins of Israel. Jesus Christ is the Holy Lamb of God that was sacrificed on the cross of Calvary as a sacrifice, holy, spotless, without blemish for the sins not just of Israel but for all of mankind. And so Jesus is worthy. He is, uh, he is worthy to bring about God's redemption. Remember, that's what this scroll is all about, is to bring about the redemption of God. And they... Uh, declare in the third last verse the the uh, twofold benediction, Amen and Amen. They're all declaring uh, that it not only has happened, it is complete. It is uh, uh, they are glorifying Jesus Christ for the completion of His task of bringing about His redemption. So what we need to to take from this is that this is God's desire that Jesus Christ not just bring... You know, I, I talked about the, uh, the fact that uh, our parents would look at us and, and cause us to straighten up, sit up straight, do right. Now, they weren't doing that just simply to exert control or to keep them from being embarrassed. They were doing it for our benefit, right? They were doing that because they knew that we needed to act correctly and we needed to act right we needed to do things the right way and we needed to live uh, our life uh, according to what was right and good so they did those things why because we were were not doing right at the time we were misbehaving or we were doing something that was wrong and so our parents would look at us or raise that eyebrow or or say our name or whatever it was uh, not just simply to to cause us to dance like a puppet, but to cause us to start to do right and to live right. Here Jesus Christ is, is not bringing about the judgment simply because uh, everybody's wrong and they're all 
needing to be punished, but to bring redemption, to bring uh, justice, the justice of God, the righteousness of God, to exert uh, the righteousness of God so that all of mankind will understand and know how we're to, uh, that, that uh, the righteousness of God is to uh, take place. And the righteousness of God is, is that a punishment had to be made for our sinfulness. You realize that Jesus wouldn't have needed to go to the cross if the righteousness of God was not present. Because it's the righteousness of God that demands a punishment for our sin. I've heard many times when witnessing, well, why didn't God just simply say, okay, you're forgiven, I, I won't hold that against you. Well, then God would not have been righteous if He had not uh, required payment for sin. God's righteousness required a penalty for sin and a payment for sin. But His love provided that payment in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is the only one who is able to open that scroll of judgment that brings forth uh, God's redemption because He made the payment. He paid the price so that we wouldn't have to. He paid the price so that we wouldn't have to stand and receive the the judgment of God. And so this is a glorious day, a day of rejoicing that John is seeing. No more weeping. You see that at the end? John's not weeping anymore because, and everybody is celebrating. Everybody is rejoicing. Everybody is, is praising the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah, the Root of David, because He is worthy to bring about the judgment and redemption of God. No weeping is necessary because He is able. He is able to bring about the redemption of God. And that's the message that this passage of Scripture has for us, that God's redemption is available for all. That we don't have to sit under the judgment of God, but His redemption is there for us. That every one of us has a penalty, a judgment that is coming, but because of what Jesus Christ did for us, He brings redemption. And He'll bring redemption for all of mankind on that day when the scroll is is presented and the seven seals are open. Let's pray. The gracious Father, Lord, we just praise You for Your Word and for the message of Your love, uh, the message of Your redemption. Lord, we rejoice at what You've done for us and what You will do that day in which uh, You will bring about Your redemption for all of mankind. Lord, we thank You for Jesus and for the price that He paid for us on the cross of Calvary. We praise You for Your love that brings about Your righteousness and establishes righteousness within us through the payment of what uh, the covering of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.